everybody. Welcome back to For the Girls. Cannot believe this is our second to last race of the season, our last double header, but it is a sprint weekend, so that's going to be super fun. As a reminder to those of you who are in the New York area, we are doing a sprint watch party on Saturday at 2 p.m. at the F1 bar in New York, Fele. So DM us if you have any questions, and we can't wait to see some of you. Super sad about the season coming to a close, but we have some fun episodes and off-season content in the works for you all, so stay tuned for that. And with that, we'll jump into it. I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And I'm Sarah. So it is a sprint weekend. We are so excited for that. If you want a bit of a refresher on the sprint format, check out our F1 starter pack episode or the beginning of the Imola preview app, which was the first sprint of the year where we get a bit more into the format. Similar to Mexico City, people love this race and say the fans and the environment is just absolutely electric. Some people describe it as kind of a carnival atmosphere. So rain or shine, people will be having the time of their lives. So let's talk about the circuit, the Autodromo Jose Carlos Pace, or better known as Interlagos. It is 71 laps, 4.3 kilometers, and there's two DRS zones. Botas here holds the lap record from 2018. Also, a fun fact about this track that I learned while we were doing some research for this episode, it's called Interlagos because it's in the Interlagos neighborhood, but that neighborhood is in a region that sits between two large artificial lakes, um, Lago means lake, and the lakes were built in the early 20th century to supply water and electricity for the city. So I love when the track history intersects with the city history. The track was built in 1940, but it didn't actually host an F1 race until 1973. The race was only on the calendar for a few years, and it was removed pretty quickly, I think, for safety reasons. It was really bumpy, and there was barely any safety barriers. But the race came back in 1990. It's been there for a while now with updates to the track, and it's definitely been a mainstay since. So a little bit about history in Brazil. So despite us not having a Brazilian driver currently, they have amazing F1 history. Not only all the incredible drivers, Artin Senna, Nelson Piquet, Felipe Massa, Rubens Paricello, et cetera, et cetera. But we've had big victories here and lots of fun racing moments. For those of you who may be a little less familiar with Senna, he was a Brazilian F1 driver who won the championship three times in 1988, 1990, and 1991. And not only is he revered in Brazil, people say he's like a god in that country, but he is also considered to be one of the greatest drivers of all time more generally. You may have heard his name pop up in conjunction with Elaine Prost, who he had a huge rivalry with. And we have talked about the tragic incident before on the podcast, but he died during the 1994 San Marino Grand Prix in Imola and is actually buried only a few miles from the track. So passers coming to and from the track always pass his his grave, which is pretty powerful. As we'll talk about later, Lewis got his honorary citizenship uh, in Brazil this week, and he dedicated that to Senna and has called him many times his hero. So That was a little bit of fun history. A little fun fact is that Brazilians have taken the most polls here, which is 10, than any other nation. So that's some great home pride and performance over the years. 
And until 2003, the Brazilian Grand Prix was actually at the earlier part of the season and only moved to a late season spot starting in 2004. And then from 2004 to 2009, before Abu Dhabi joined, it was actually the season's last race. So lots of fun championship deciding moments. And there was, of course, the infamous 2012 battle here between Vettel and Alonso, where Vettel was leading the championship, but was hit and spun on the first lap which gave Alonso a potential shot at the title, but Vettel fought his way through in a damaged car, no less, to score the points he needed and won his third consecutive title here. So good stuff. That's such an epic battle. Like Vettel and Alonso, both in their glory days. Um, yeah. No, the, 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 the petty days, not the glory days. <laughs> <laughs> Could be both, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. In terms of the last race, this was – one of the coolest weekends last year. It was just absolutely epic for Hamilton. He was disqualified during quali, and so he started last on during the sprint on Saturday. Then during the sprint, he worked all the way up to P5, which then translated to a P10 grid start for the race because he had an engine penalty. <laughs> and then he had a huge overtake of Max with DRS at lap 58. Hamilton ended up winning by over 10 seconds and this was an important race in the championship since it cut max's point lead in the championship from 21 points to just 14 points going towards the end of the season it was just absolutely insane and also a funny fun fact is lewis had a huge celebration after and unbuckled his seatbelt during part of it and then got fined by the FIA. <laughs> Classic, Sully too hard. Unbuckling his seatbelt. But this is just an absolutely insane weekend. I feel like it was just one of those classic Lewis drives that seems absolutely impossible until you see it. Botas had started pole, so throwback to those good old Mercedes glory days. <laughs> so Hamilton was P1, Max was P2, and Botas was P3. I hope we see some epic overtaking and stuff this weekend too. So that leads us into what type of racing we can expect. This race is always exciting, like we've kind of already mentioned, and there's a lot of different things to consider. So one, there are banked corners like most of the pre-World War II tracks, so that's definitely a factor that the drivers take into consideration. Like we mentioned in our Mexico preview, this is the second highest elevation track after Mexico City. And there's over 40 meters of elevation change during the lap itself. Um, so that'll definitely affect how some of the teams bring their car setups. And then this is usually pretty unpredictable weather. It's kind of like spa. So don't be surprised if we see some rain. We are entering Sao Paulo's rainy season, which runs from October to March. So people have said don't even bother looking at the weather forecast. So probably going to look at a wet race. I think people just kind of expect it um, as something to consider. And then another fun fact that shows this is definitely going to be an entertaining race like the past is that pole sitters here at Interlagos have the lowest probability of winning out of all the circuits on the calendar. It's only 30% here. So we'll definitely hopefully see some spiciness. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative 
I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacovas is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, only at Tacovas.com. So getting into the teams, Red Bull, the will the win and record-breaking streak continue? Max will definitely be aiming for 15 wins and to extend his points in a season record with lots of points on offer this weekend given the sprint as well. Christian said in an interview after Mexico that he doesn't think Max is getting the recognition he should. He said, quote, what? (laughs) I have thoughts. We are actually (laughs) witnessing something very special. And I sometimes think that his achievements perhaps don't receive the plaudits that they should. So as you can judge from Jess's reaction, I have a similar question. I'm curious what exactly he's looking for. Like, Max has dominated all year. It's not the most interesting thing to talk about, which I think is a testament to his dominance. And I feel like he has gotten some credit, but he is also only on his second championship. I mean, I'm sure there are more coming given his talent, but I don't think he's like quite at the level of all the greats yet. So I'm just wondering like if Christian is expecting people to laud him as like a goat already or what Christian has in mind. But I mean, I guess Sarah, as a Max fan, I'm curious your thoughts on, on that and if you feel the same way. I think I do think it's hard that since he was so dominant this season, it kind of felt like just an afterthought when he won. But I don't think it's necessarily a max thing in particular. I think it was probably the same during a lot of the Lewis seasons when he was just running away with the title and people not get bored with it, but I think people are just kind of over it at a certain point. So I don't think it's really max specific, but I think it's more general that it's hard and a lot less exciting to win the title when it's less contested and people kind of take it for granted in a sense. I do. I do think though, as a Max fan, I will say that I think it is probably a little unusual, the amount of kind of heat he still gets over 2021, like those sky sports announcers saying robbed and all this stuff. I do think that that probably impacts kind of Christian statements here where he, Mm. I think they think that this year people should be saying, okay, clearly he's deserving to be a world champion. He is world title material instead of kind of still talking about 2021. So that's probably in the back of his mind, but I do think it's not people picking on Max. I think it's just that when it's an absolute runaway season, people, as you said, are going to be less into talking about the title when it's just been kind of a foregone conclusion. But I guess at the start of the season, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it's it sucks that Max for two years in a row has had kind of a anticlimactic win in the sense where like he didn't know if he had won this year until after the race. But like what you said, Tiggy earlier, like he has only won two championships. He needs a little bit more under his belt to be considered a goat, and potentially, you know, hot take here, but a lot of things have to align well for you to become the world champion. Obviously you have to be a great driver, but like Mercedes, the car is so good this year, their usual, you know, contender, uh, Red Bull, the car is so good this year, their usual contender Mercedes isn't so great this year. So like maybe that's helping him too. So a lot of things have to play into 
play into this. So you need a lot more seasons to kind of like level out the variables, if that makes sense. So we will see. I, also, think, though, I think that I, happens every year. And I think people like bring it up a lot with Max, but every single time doing a title, you need yeah. the yeah. best car. But I also feel like welcome to the top, Christian and Max. Like people are always going to discount your championship. People did it with Lewis all the time. Like, oh, it was just because he was in a fast car and like at the front. You know, like this is this is kind of how people treat champions and you're always going to have people who doubt you. I I don't know. I feel like kind of get used to it. <laughs> Heavy Very is the head true. that wears the crown, you know. But anyway, for Checo, he still has to perform in the fight with Charles. Only five points separate them right now. So we will be looking at the Checo and Charles battle heading into this weekend. For Ferrari, hopefully only good vibes for them. Sainz took his medium podium here back in 2019. Gasly also had his at this same race, and it was the first time two drivers took maiden podiums in the same race since 1994, a fun aside. But after a pretty disappointing weekend in Mexico, Ferrari has definitely opened the door for Mercedes to potentially snag that second place in constructors from them. So definitely a lot of pressure for them this weekend to stay ahead and maintain their only 40-point lead. And there is still elevation at this race. So Ferrari wasn't able to quite figure that out at Mexico. So hopefully they've taken that as a learning lesson and come, come to Brazil ready to fight. For Mercedes, the vibes are good heading into this weekend because Lewis officially became an honorary citizen of Brazil on Monday. It's a really special place for him. He loves the country. He won his first world championship here in 2008 and also, of course, had one of his best races ever last year, which he calls, quote, one of the races he's most proud of. He said, quote, it's honestly the greatest honor for me to be here receiving and accepting the citizenship. He also dedicated it to Senna, which was really nice. He said, quote, I really want to dedicate today this honor to Art and Senna, to Art's family, to his friends and to his fans. For me, when I was five years old, I saw Art and race for the first time, and that was the moment I knew I wanted to be a world champion just like him. Oh, Yeah, and the when Lewis won the title in 2008, that was a really crazy, rainy race. He only had to get, I think, fifth or sixth to – win it and it looked like it wasn't going to happen and then he had a crazy overtake on the last corner so he just has a lot of really powerful memories here but this year he's got only two more races to avoid the stat of this being his first ever winless season in formula one and this is a big track for him so i feel like this could be his last shot toto mentioned he would rather see a win from them this season than second in constructors when he was asked, Toto said, quote, a win. The women proved that our car is back in the fight for wins. P2 could also be because others just drop the ball and you're scoring more points. So they're really looking for that win here. Toto, I feel like, is also such a win or bust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he said something earlier in the season that was super dramatic about, like, if you're not winning, just nothing matters in life. <laughs> oh, would be tough to have him as a dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So true. There, the Mercedes strategy director, James Vowles, did say that he is quite not quite as optimistic for them at Brazil because that altitude is still an issue in Brazil. It's not as extreme, but it's still an issue. And also in Mexico City, Mercedes had some help from the lower downforce levels, and that isn't as much of a factor here. 
We shall see. For McLaren, we are awaiting an imminent announcement from Danny about his 2023 plans. He did confirm that he won't be on the grid, and it seems a Mercedes reserve driver position is most likely, given the current reserve for Mercedes, Stoffel Van Dorn, confirming his move to Aston Martin. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. There are only seven points between McLaren and Alpine and tens of millions of dollars on the line, so expect them to be fighting it out. Lando at Brazil, he has finished in the points both times he's raced here, so he's feeling optimistic this weekend. And Danny just said, quote, I'm good at sprints, so (laughs) don't disappoint us, Danny. He has also scored points in four out of his last five races here, so we shall see. And he created his new... He created his new Danny.jpg Instagram account copying oh. Lando. <laughs> we'll see who's McLaren, better. These McLaren boys are on a run. Um, okay, Alpine. Alonso has had his third DNF in five races after his cylinder failed on his power unit during the race, running in the points in Mexico. So there's a possibility he'll be taking a grid penalty in Brazil if they're unable to find a fix, but totally unconfirmed at this point. We will let you know. Otmar said he's feeling pretty confident in their ability to take fourth and said that prioritizing performance over reliability this season has been the right strategic move. I agree. I think Alpine has definitely been doing really well. Alonso would disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Alonso, that's his brand these days. So anyways, good things for Alpine. For Haas, they are only one point ahead of AlphaTauri for eighth in the constructors. It might not seem like that important, but remember, each position is worth millions of dollars in prize money, like Tiki said earlier. So my big question is, when are we going to announce the second seat? It's no secret that Haas has been debating Nico Hulkenberg versus Mick for a while now. Mick has scored his points, but they're waiting to see a little more performance out of him. But basically now the clock is ticking and it's hammer time. I am stressed about the Haas situation. I can't believe it's his second to last race and they haven't announced their driver lineup for next year. I think it's funny that people think Danny might still go to Haas. Like there's still those rumors swirling around and I don't think that's ever going to happen. I feel like there's always rumors until it is written in writing somewhere. And even then people might still disregard the contract. (laughs) That is also true. (laughs) For Alpha Tauri, as we talked about last episode, Gasly has been picking up a lot of penalty points lately, 10 to be exact with five coming from the last three races And if he picks up two more, which a lot of the penalties you can get are two penalty points, it would trigger an automatic one-race ban since there's a limit to 12 in a rolling 12-month period. This is also a huge problem for him because it's going to roll over to the start of next season. It doesn't reset. So he really needs to be very careful here because you can get two penalty points for a lot of things like impeding other drivers, track limits, safety car, pit lane, speeding, all those sorts of things. So he needs to be super on it here. For Alfa Romeo, Aston Martin is hot on their heels with only four points separating them for sixth in constructors. Botas scored his first point in 11 races in Mexico. (laughs) The poor guy. Hope he can keep it going here. I do love, though, even how frustrating that must be. It seems like he's still living his best life, like was in Argentina on vacation before this. So hopefully it's not impacting him too much, but Alfa Romeo really needs to get it together. Yeah. I wonder if ever it's like a welcome 
I don't want to say vacation because it must be so frustrating, but after years of pressure in Mercedes, I wonder if like he is just okay with the not so great season. I don't know, but it still must be very frustrating. Well, I think probably tied him with that where he only ever had a one-year contract at Mercedes. Yeah. So it's also just so stressful because every single day you're fighting for your job. Yeah. And now in a multi-year deal, there's probably a bit of that sense of patience of they're bad this season, but he can think, okay, maybe it'll be better next season. I know I have my job. I think that has probably contributed just to the general vibe switch we have seen in Botas. <laughs> I'm here for it. For Aston Martin, this I cannot believe we are at this point, but it is Vettel's second to last race. He is doing a special helmet design charity auction where fans have a chance to be featured on his helmet, which is very sweet. But never fear, speaking about his future, he had some interesting quotes this week about F1 and his potential return. Maybe that's a strong statement, but he said, I'd like to rule it out speaking of returning, but I can't. I have no idea how I'll be ticking in a year or two as far as the physical is concerned. I do a sport that you could still return to after a two-year break. However, I wish that in two years, I would still say, no thanks, I don't need racing anymore. And then he said, I'm not sure I want to watch the race at all. Formula One was my purpose in life for 16 years. Now I secretly have an expectation of myself to be able to cope without Formula One like I'm going through rehab. Strong statements. But... That's on like F1, <laughs> F1 withdrawal to make you reprioritize yeah. your life. <laughs> I know, but... All that said, really hoping for the best results possible these last couple races for him. For Williams, it, Williams is looking like they will close the season out in last, but I am sure they are looking towards next year with Albon and potentially Logan Sargent. As a reminder, Logan still needs to secure his final super license points by the end of the season. He needs to finish top six in F2, which is looking likely, but not confirmed until it is confirmed. So hot takes and predictions. I think this time I'm going to say Checo outperforms Max this weekend. I think Checo's going to continue his campaign for second in the driver's championship and extend his lead. And I'm going to say Vettel comes in top 10. Nice. Not a Lewis win. What? I, I really, really wanted to say it. And I held back because I cannot say it every single time. <laughs> but... That is like my secret hope. <laughs> okay. I'll say it for you then. Lewis win. <laughs> Thank you. And I I was looking back on this because I think this has contributed also to why people are a little bit over this season. But the only podium we've had this year that wasn't Mercedes, Red Bull, or Ferrari was Lando in Imola. We haven't had wow. any surprise podiums or wild cards since then, which is – always so exciting even when the title race is decided and we get someone on podium who's really unexpected or has a crazy race and I would I really want that to happen so that is kind of my biggest manifestation I don't care who it is as long as it is not Red Bull Ferrari or Mercedes just someone else on podium that's a good one I'm so here for that Sarah I applaud you okay so mine's gonna be super boring because it's Ferrari gets it together and gets at least p3 so they're on podium I'm gonna say Mercedes is also on podium but I'm going to say Mick gets 10th, like very specific. He's going to get 10th. <laughs> that one point, he's coming for it. Yeah, like not 9th, <laughs> not 11th. He will be in 10th. Mark my word. <laughs> okay, news for this week. So Red Bull has decided to end their Sky Sports broadcast boycott ahead of the Brazil GP. Sky Sports F1 chief Billy McGinty 
apparently visited Red Bull's headquarters on Monday to, quote, clear the air. That's very nice. Apparently, F1 was involved as a somewhat of a mediator. I cannot believe they needed that, but okay. Um, Checo spoke to them at the Vegas event, so it seemed to have kind of cleared up a little bit. Red Bull says they feel like their statement has been made. That's what they said. And then are planning to resume coverage as normal. Again, like, are, are they just, like, trying to make news out of nothing? I don't know. But um, Christian and y'all just continue your crusade if needed, I guess. <laughs> there was a really funny moment at Vegas. All the drivers were up on the podium during the huge launch ceremony talking, or up, not on the podium, up on the stage. And they were getting asked questions. And George made a joke to Checo, like, ha-ha, are you allowed to answer this question? <laughs> And then Checo answered, and then the announcer said, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love that everyone's kind of in on it and kind of shedding light on it. Yeah, they were all just kind of standing there giggling, and you could tell probably even Checo is thinking, like, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and as we've mentioned before, Danny Rick is in confirmed talks with Mercedes and Red Bull about a reserve driver role for next season. I personally would love to have him back at Red Bull. Toto has commented – Quote, I think Daniel's speaking to a few teams about a potential role, also Red Bull. For us, we very much like him. He's a great character, but we are not in a position yet to say who's going to be our third driver. That doesn't sound super promising. That sounds more like, you have a great personality, Daniel. (laughs) And as a refresher for what a reserve driver means, that we usually do a lot of simulator work for the team, and they're just always on backup to replace a driver who for some reason is unable to compete out of race weekend. So, for example, DeVries for Albon this season. And reserve drivers have had big moments before, like George had really his big break when Lewis got COVID in the mm-hmm. 2020 season and George got to replace him for a race. So it can have a big impact at times. Yes, and last piece of news, apparently Domenicali visited Barranquilla in Colombia after the Mexico Grand Prix, where they are gunning for a Caribbean Grand Prix. I guess their express goal is to sign a deal in 2024 or 2025 for 10 years or so. So they are hoping to add a second South America race to the calendar. So I guess Domenicali was down there visiting uh, to check out the plans for the circuit and maybe see if that would fly for the next couple years we'll see that would be really fun okay so let's launch into our special topic this week um it's about las vegas because the vegas launch has officially happened so over the weekend f1 threw the vegas grand prix launch party well over a year before the actual race is set to to start over forty thousand people showed up and it was quite the spectacle Caesars Palace had Hamilton, Checo, Russell, and Albon doing live car runs under the lights. They had like underglow on the cars, which looked sick. And there were simulators and a massive concert and launch party. There was a scary moment, though. At one point, Lewis started doing donuts to impress everyone and get the crowd going. Um, And he got lost in the darkness and the smoke. He almost lost control and touched the wall. But he made light of it. He was laughing on the radio and said, quote, I almost crashed. There was so much smoke. I had no idea where I was. <laughs> That's just a great metaphor for Vegas in general. <laughs> yeah. The race is a huge deal for F1 and pretty iconic given that the cars will be racing down the strip. So much so that F1's actually taking on the role of race promoter, meaning they'll be running the race entirely in-house. So all the risks or rewards of associated with hosting a Grand Prix will fall on F1 shoulders directly, which is super interesting because normally there's 
a promotion company and the circuit itself doing a lot of the renovation work and all that because they usually host other motorsport events other than F1 and are kind of an independent business. But Vegas is just purpose-built for F1. And so all the money like going into buying land and making the paddock, all that is coming from F1's own pocket. So it's really just a statement of how big of a deal they are expecting this to be. F1 hasn't had a race here in 40 years back when the circuit was built in the parking lot of Caesars Palace, which <laughs> could not sound like a less fun race. Complete <laughs> opposite of what's about to happen. <sighs> it will be a night race happening on Saturday because it is Vegas, baby. So everything will be shifted back a day. F1 is saying that the race will be a, quote, assault on the driver's senses, which just what? does not sound <laughs> lovely. <laughs> yeah, like they should but, probably just look at what Lewis did or what happened with Lewis <laughs> like at the launch party and be like, okay, perfect, an assault on the senses, just what we need. I love how F1 is like, safety, 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 and then they're like, ah, Vegas, we're just going to assault the driver's senses. <laughs> but for the brand, for the F1 brand, this is arguably one of the first big races in the new modern Drive to Survive era. We have lots of thoughts. Domenicali said of the race, quote, we are going to deliver the greatest spectacle in the world as a statement of F1 that needs to be recognized. And in terms of price positioning, we are going to be on the top side because this is Las Vegas and that is the nature of the customer coming to Las Vegas. So in other words, we are catering to the wealthy because the wealthy love Las Vegas. And they will pay and they love to gamble and whatever else they do. So the, this this whole launch party and all of these statements definitely has succeeded in building the hype. It's really exciting. But when ticket sales launched last week, the prices were astronomical and it definitely left a lot of people feeling pretty disappointed um, and priced out and a lot of other things. The, the cheapest GA tickets started at $500 and are being resold for almost double already. The seats, these seats get you three-day standing room access near the back end of the circuit where you can barely see the track and it's not even guaranteed to see the track. The cheapest seats are running at over 3K. VIP passes are well over 12K. MGM themselves bought up $20 million worth of tickets ahead of time and they're bundling them into some sort of VIP packages that will run up to 155K. And then apparently there's rumors that some packages could go all the way up to a million and a half dollars, which is insane. And it's not just tickets, though. Like, if you shell out for a ticket, you also have to shell out for a hotel. The hotels have started jacking up the price of rooms from 300 to 600%. So, like, massive, massive amounts. Oh, God. I, I just – I'm so frustrated for fans who want to go to this race. Like, for me personally, I don't mind not going to this race. So it's like, okay, you can have Vegas, you can do all this stuff. That's fine. But like, if I were a more local fan, like if I lived in Nevada and I really wanted to go to this race and I love Formula One, I would just be devastated or just like people who want to go to Las Vegas in general in this race. Like it's so much money. It's so much. And I just, I don't know, hopefully this is like the big first year and then maybe it'll calm down in future years, but it's just, it's heartbreaking that like regular fans do not have access to the sport, at least in this arena. Yeah. It's hard also. I think they need to do a better job of when they're doing these huge glitzy events of designing the tracks so that there are good general admission areas or more grandstands, which I think this is a little bit of a special circumstance. It is really hard when you're going straight down a strip with a bunch of 
existing hotels and buildings. You can't really have a ton of GA and grandstands and everything, which I think is contributing so much as price inflation. But I think they, it's horrible to just offer GA as one little area where you might not even see the track. So I do think in the future, I hope they take that into consideration of making sure that there are more tickets available besides just VIP sort of tickets. Yeah. So speaking of Vegas, I thought we could do a fun little segment to wrap up this episode and we'll do some Vegas rapid fire superlatives. So if you guys are ready, we can launch into it. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Most likely to gamble and lose it all. Lando. Albon. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. I was going to say Albon, but now I'm going to think of something different. Um, rapid fire, rapid fire. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, <laughs> Botas. Ooh, Ooh, good. Interesting. Okay. Most likely to win big. Alonso. Danny. George. I could see George hitting one button on a slot machine and somehow <laughs> winning a million dollars and just being like, wow. <laughs> okay, so this was my next question. Who would be best at the slots? You you say I, I said George too because his luck has been unparalleled this season. <laughs> okay, we'll go with George. Okay, for me, who would be best at blackjack? I feel like Latifi would be so good at blackjack. I said Carlos. Ooh. I said Carlos. Okay. What about and then poker? poker? So poker is more. Ooh. Yeah, Lewis and poker is more kind of skill and finesse. So I would say maybe Checo. Mm. Nice. Okay, we can do this next one together. The cast of The Hangover as F1 driver. So as a reminder, for those of us who haven't seen Hangover in a while, we have Doug, who's the the, the groom. He's Stu. the one who always gets lost. Yeah, we have <laughs> Stu, who's the funny dentist. We have Alan, Zach Galifianakis, who's just awesome. We have Phil, Bradley Cooper, and then let's throw in Mike Tyson, too. So <laughs> who's going to be Doug, the one that gets lost? I think kind of Albon. I can feel okay. I can see that. Um, okay, dentist, Stu, kind of like uptight, but funny. Latifi, maybe he's like <laughs> kind of goofy. <laughs> um, okay, Zach Galifianakis. We really need to think about this one. Who's going to be Alan? Okay, I have an answer, but you guys go first because I'm. <laughs> okay, I kind of want to say Max. <laughs> I I think Max for Mike Tyson. I think Yuki <laughs> for Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> oh. oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot Yuki and the other ones. Most likely use it, lose it all. I change my answer. To Yuki. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's good. Um, okay, Bradley Cooper. I was going to say Danny Ricardo only because they're both like taller and handsome, but we could think of another one. I kind of think Leclerc, suave. <laughs> Sarah, any other thoughts? Um, the Bradley Cooper character. I'm trying to remember what he's like in. He's Hangover. like kind of happy go lucky and it's just like, yeah, let's just go, whatever. If it's happy go lucky, then definitely Dan- Danny. Awesome. Okay. Well, hangover three, you heard it here first. <laughs> um, okay. The last two, most likely to stay out at the club all night after the race. I think Gasly. G- Gasly and Gasly Lando. and Lando are in their uh, DJ clubbing eras. So I'm going to give it a tie between Gasly and Lando. Okay. And the last one, most likely to hit the pool clubs on Sunday after the race all day. Danny, for sure. I have Checo <laughs> for the pool club. <laughs> I think Checo is going to be into this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, Lovely. hopefully they hear what we said and they can manifest all of their different expected roles for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with that, we are wrapping up our episode. We will see some of you at the watch party, hopefully on Saturday for the sprint. And then 
We'll come back with you next week for a recap of everything that happened at the Brazil Grand Prix. Mm -hmm.